This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Yes, yes, we are home. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm home for real. I'm actually recording from my home out here in Mason, Michigan. I always tell people, you never know where I'm going to be. Sometimes it's Big B, sometimes it's at a park. But today I'm actually recording from the uh, Casa de Irvin out here in, <laughs> in Mason, Michigan. You know, every blues society has its beginning. In the Capital Area Blues Society out of Lansing, Michigan is absolutely no exception. The process took a little bit of time to put together. And as Cavs prepares to celebrate 30 years in the blues business, we are pleased to welcome the first president of the Capital Area Blues Society, Bonnie, just call me Queen B. Stebbins. <laughs> and we are also excited to have one of Cab's longstanding reviewers, former secretary and board, uh, board member Ron Eggleston. Welcome to both of you. Glad to have you here at Time Signatures. Happy to Hi. be here. Me too. Absolutely. And and so excited to talk about the beginning because I've been a, a member of CABS now for going on three years. So I'm still a babe <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but um, it, it's so exciting to talk about how things started, um, especially because I wasn't involved in the blues and, and in CABS back in those early years, even though I was in the area. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I've missed oh. so much of what you guys put together back in, back in the day. Um, the Capital Area Blue Society was founded on the following principle. Dedicated to the preservation and enjoyment of, as well as the education about blues music. There's not much gray area there, is there? That's what I intended when I came up with that. Very cool. That, that, was, was, your, that, that was, was your deal? Yeah, that was the, the motto I thought of. Okay. And... It's because blues is everything to me, so. Okay, very good. And so we want to we go back because I know that it took some time to get things together yeah. and, and actually get the Capital Area Blues Society off the ground. So go ahead and talk about that a little bit, uh, your early meeting. And okay, well, way back in the day, <laughs> 70s, 80s. I was a member of the Detroit Blue Society, and sure. they were doing a lot of things, and there was so much happening in Detroit. They had a ton of great blues clubs that we would drive down to. 70, 80 miles one way, never thought much about it because that's where we could get our blues fix. Sure. So I, uh, of course, got to know people in the Detroit Blue Society, and at that time, George Seedorf was the president. Okay. And I talked to him because I, I, I really didn't want to go through all the machinations of trying to start a blue society. And I'd thrown the idea out to some people, um, Scotty Allman for one, you know, sure. why don't you do it? You know, but nobody wanted to take the bait. So, so I talked to George, why don't we have Lansing be like a branch of the Detroit one? And we kicked that around for a year or two of how would that work and what could we do? And, and where would that go? And, and what, is it really feasible even to do that? Sure. And, and it slowly became obvious that it was not. And so 
again, I was hoping other people would pick up the ball and run because I had no clue what had had to be done. And finally, it was obvious that nobody else was going to do that. So one night we were at a Josh, who was a guy from Detroit, Josh. Oh, Motor my, City Josh. Motor City Josh. Oh, Thank yeah, you. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We were at a concert at a club in Charlotte. Okay. I think John, the guy that used to do the bookings that lived in Charlotte. Anyway, so Motor City Josh was there. Okay. And I remember on using a cocktail napkin of coming up with the name, Capital Area Blue Society. I, I was thinking also maybe Capital City Blue Society, but Scotty Allman's radio show was Capital City Blues Cruise. Mm-hmm. So I had the backup name of Capital Area Blue Society. And, and so that was my start is get the name. And then once I retired from my state job, I actually had time to really pursue this. Sure. So on October 7th, 1994, okay. I went to the Ingham County Register, I think, or the clerk. I'm not sure who took the paperwork to fill out the paperwork to register the name. Um, I guess it's called, it's a DBA doing DBA, business sure. as, yeah. which I didn't realize. I just thought I was registering the name so nobody else could use it. And then I started contacting, because I had all these blue CDs with all the label names and information, sure. how to contact them. So I would contact the labels and, and bands and booking agents and, and have them put us on their mailing list. I got business cards. I got printed news uh, newsletter, not newsletter, um, letterhead, letterhead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, letterhead. all right. Um, sure. A few months later, like about seven, eight months, in July of 95, mm-hmm. there was going to be a blues festival in Lansing. And I think Scott Allman was part of the people that that organized it. Too. I was wondering who got that um, underway. I know it was a, supposedly a fundraiser, I think, for... Uh, maybe St. Vincent's. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was the first time there was a, a, a bunch of national artists and regional, and then Root yeah. Doctor was part of it also. Yeah. And I believe was Coco Taylor yep. a part? Yeah. 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 She was the she And was the Kinsey the Report with Big Daddy Kinsey, right. I believe. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so once I found out the festival was going to be in town, it was a one-day event. And so I wrote and then printed flyers to announce um, a meeting at the Green Door Lounge. Wow. And before okay. I, of course, announced the, to announce the meeting on this paper, these flyers, I had contacted, I think it was Dave, but it might have been Al at the time that was the owner, uh, or maybe it was Al and Dave were both owners. <laughs> um, but I contacted the Green Door to get permission to have our first meeting there. Mm-hmm. And he said that was fine. So I cleared everything with them. So again, put on the flyer where we would meet. And it was late July. And so I passed all these flyers. Three other four father friends helped me pass the flyers out to everybody at the fest. That's cool. We handed them. We didn't just leave a stack somewhere. Sure, sure. And we passed them out. And a good friend of mine, Shar Whitaker, who was also a huge blues fan and had been my roomie for like 17, 18 years for the Chicago Blues Fest. <laughs> so um, so she was helping get all this passed out and everything. And we had the first meeting and probably 20 people showed up. And it was like, whoa, this could just work in Lansing. Yeah, and, yeah. 
And so from then on, and then people joined, so many people joined that. For, I think it was 16 people joined at that meeting. Six, 16 at the first. I think there's 27 people showed up. And wow. 16 okay, thank joined. you, because I'm going, I know not everybody joined. So that, yeah, yeah, so that was a big hoot. And, um, and then one of the amazing things to me is Cal Stone. Stone. Um, who joined at that first meeting, was at the first, obviously, at the first meeting, and said, well, let's produce a newsletter. And we're all going, oh, my gosh, there's no way we can do a newsletter. Like, you know, he wanted to do it next month. And he said, no, I'm in the biz. I know how to do this. So let's get, you know, let's, let's jump on it and do it. And amazingly, we, we came out with a September issue. Now, I, I, I got to stop you here for just a minute because it's kind of cool that Cal Stone... All these names, people that are that are coming in and out of my life right now because I'm doing the podcast. Um, you know, of course, uh, Cal is the one. Uh, he and his wife put on the event in Brighton every year. Right, right. And um, so I'm actually looking. I actually got to meet him. Um, ah. We talked back and forth a couple times, and I'm going to actually be down there in Brighton for the blues and jazz event that he's putting on the first week of September. Great. Um, and then, of course, we've got Blues Fest here in Old Town the following weekend. But it's it's kind of cool to me. I mean, you know, Scotty Allman's been around forever. Yeah. Um, Cal Stone obviously has been around forever. Yeah. And it's such a neat thing to see the the longevity of what y'all started almost 30 years ago. Because before the Capital Area Blues Society, there wasn't anything really happening in the Lansing area, was no. there? Oh, there was. There were a lot of local bands. What, there blues were related? In the, in the 80s, yes. Okay. There, were, there were several. The um, the Blue Avenue Delegates started in 1980. They ran, okay. they had uh, in, the, yeah. in the Green Door, and I don't know if they were organized before that. I uh, But um, <clears throat> yeah. Mike Daniels was one of the kingpins of that organization. Okay. And I want to be sitting down talking with him about some things because he really is oh, uh, yeah. one of the early guys. But um, it, a lot of people in the area, a lot of people got interested in the blues. You had elderly instruments or a lot of good mm -hmm. uh, musicians there. And it's and, amazing how many of them are active still today in the right. blues scene in the Lansing right, area. Right. But I think it was, you know, the, during the 60s when a lot of the rock Groups like Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and Fleetwood Mac, the original version of it, mm -hmm. were uh, playing covers of blues songs. And then they talked, they really were boosting the blues and a lot of uh, white musicians in Lansing said, well, this is pretty cool. We like this music. And they started creating bands. I mean, I, I can go through the list of the ones uh, yeah, that were Let's around. talk about a couple of them, yeah. sure. Um, you know, um, I, I don't know exactly all the dates of, of these things, but we had, uh, as I said, the Blue Avenue Delegates. Uh, we have the Uptown Band. Uh, <laughs> and the Downtown Band, and, uh, uh, the, who later became? Root Doctor. Yeah, right, right. there you go. And Scotty was in that. Scotty started his program, I think, in 87 on the radio. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. And the uh, Downtown Blues Band, of course, featured Freddie Cunningham sure. and his good friend, um uh, uh, James Williams was a great bass player, mm -hmm. and uh, so then they they uh, evolved into another one, another band, the the 
the root doctor band. These guys have got notes sitting here yeah. on the table. It's so cool. I yeah. know you can hear the papers rustling <laughs> in the background, but there's there's so much here to dive into, yeah. and I have a feeling we're going to end up doing a second episode here. <laughs> so let me let me stop you for a minute. Let's back up for just a minute. And Bonnie had, I'm sorry, Queen Bee <laughs> had the first few minutes to talk about right. the, the early beginning of Capillary Blue Society. I want to step back and ask each of you individually, how did you discover the blues? What was your first yeah. taste of the blues? And usually it's ladies first, but you already talked to, so I'm going to go ahead and go to Ron, <laughs> and then I'll come back to you. Okay, no problem. <laughs> well, I was uh, I was a rock and roll kid. I mean, I loved uh, rock and roll uh, all the black artists uh, were so much better than any of the whites. Of course, I liked Elvis. He was he was wonderful too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I liked uh, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and Fats Domino, and Jerry Lee. Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean that the excitement of rock and roll was was something to me. Um, but somehow, even though the slogan was uh, the blues had a baby and named it rock and roll. I was not really into the blues. I didn't know that much about the blues. Um, even after going to college and I was in the folk scene in there, I, I, I liked folk music. Um, but uh, when I started working for the state, I had a good friend, uh, Steve Baclita, who was a member of the cabs for many years and okay. did reviews and whatever, sure. and is a musician as well. He and uh, Bill Richards played together as a duo at times. And um, he started telling me, well, you should be listening to Muddy Waters and listen to a few of these blues guys. And, boy, once I started listening to them, I said, this is great. Well, and in fact, um, there was a group at MSU, a group called Mariah. They put on blues festivals our blues uh, events in the Kiva there and Muddy Waters came there. I got to see him there while Willie Dixon was there. There were some national people that did come to town, but it was not that common. Um, But I did get to see a few folks. Um, And so during the eighties, I did see some blues groups and, and and I, I blew Avenue delegates to somebody I got into. I really liked listening to them, but I was not, not greatly aware of the the full spectrum of blues, um, but when I saw that festival was going to happen in uh, at the Riverfront um, Park, I went to that, and that's when I met Bonnie. She was passing out the flyers, and I enjoyed the the bands that were playing. And I said, "Well, I, that's something I'd be interested." In. So I was at the first meeting. I was a charter member, and uh, I had done quite a bit of. Um, uh, research into the blues, listening to, looking at old records and see the original people who were sure. writing the songs and playing the songs that a lot of people later on did. So I was developing a, an appreciation for that. And when I then got involved in, in the organization, um, it wasn't long before I started uh, volunteering to do, write reviews. And uh, I wound up doing several hundred reviews. Yeah, over I, the years. I think Bonnie said somewhere around a thousand. I think I did around a thousand. I counted up one okay. time it was that over several years. So Bonnie, same question. How did okay. you discover the blues? What was that first taste like? Well, the first taste was instant. It instantly hooked me. I was probably, I'm thinking eight or nine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Sleeping on the, the back porch um, because back and in my days, 
the, the most houses were not air conditioned. My parents did have a single air conditioner in their bedroom, but they kept the door shut. So <laughs> oh, it didn't man. get to the rest of the house or anything. And, and upstairs, um, I don't know, because I had a very nice bedroom, 20 by 20, over the garage. Okay. And I don't know if that made a difference, you know, because there was no insulation. The heat just kept rising oh. to my bedroom. So I slept on the um, three-season porch, and I would have my little transistor radio. And as I scrolled through the dial, I came upon WLAC station out of Nashville, sure, Tennessee, I believe it was called a clear channel. They yep. had 50,000 watts that could just blast, I guess, wherever in the middle of the night. Yep. And once my the radio dial hit that WLAC channel, I was just instantly hooked. It was a feeling that I just totally connected with. And part of it, probably because I was, I grew up in a dysfunctional, abusive family. So okay. I really needed that connection. And Shortly, well, a few years later, I I met some guy, I don't remember his name, that was also totally into the blues, and I was probably 14, and he was 16, and we would go to all the clubs in Detroit. Okay. Loved going to all the clubs in Detroit. They didn't check ID. They didn't really care that much. <laughs> it was well, a different time, wasn't it? It was a totally different yeah. time, um, and we were, we were going to the black clubs, and and the white ones, and, and this one that's still in existence is Baker's Keyboard Lounge, which is really, I guess, more noted for its jazz. But back in the day, they were doing a lot of blues, and I swear I saw Odetta there. I saw Gene Krupa. Some, I was I was a percussionist at heart, so I really loved to see drummers sure. perform. And they had many people that we would go there. It's a very small, as they call, intimate club, a capacity of 99 people. It's still that same size, but it's legendary for being, I think, the oldest continuously open jazz club. Wow. Perhaps in the country, um, certainly in Michigan. And I, I, I'm dying to get back there uh, for a couple We're more. We're going to have to make a trip. Yes, let's no, do that. No, seriously, we yes. are. Um, it's I, it's on Livernois. I, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to go. Cool. There's there's yeah. a few places I want to places I want to go. I'd like to go to Cadu Cafe. Okay. Um, I'd like to go to uh, to Baker's Keyboard Lounge. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's a place over in Westland? There's another big place over there that's really uh, Token Lounge. Oh, okay. In Westland. Yeah. Uh, another great place. They do they do a little bit of everything. A little classic rock, regular hard rock, blues, uh, you name it. As a matter of fact, Brother Earth. Uh, plays over there once in a while, and okay. that's a band that was formed by three people who toured extensively with Rare Earth. Oh, okay. <laughs> back in back in the eighties and nineties and two thousand, yeah, eighties and nineties, I think primarily. Um, but anyway, so Ron, we were talking a little bit ago. You had uh, done about a thousand or close to a thousand reviews. I mean, it, obviously, you know, it was something that you had a passion for. Because nobody's going to sit down and, and review a thousand CDs for nothing. Uh, well, he did it. Tell for me, nothing. tell me how you got involved in that. Where'd you get the CDs from? And you must well, have one hell of a collection. <laughs> uh, I do have a pretty big one. Okay. <laughs> uh, th there was an incentive because for the way it was set up, the uh, Blue Society would, uh, like Bonnie said, she had contacted all the labels and some artists, and they would send us uh, CDs promotional cds to review and they also would 
provide some revenue through the newsletter, you know, from ads, when we post, ads, when we sure. put an ad in for them. So okay. we said, well, we should show our appreciation by writing up something about them, you know, and start doing reviews of them. And again, since the idea was uh, one of the, org- one of the ideas behind the Blue Society was to educate people. Absolutely. Uh, I felt, well, I can, I can, uh, I'm an appreciation, I have an appreciation for the blues and I want to share that with people. I'm not a musician, but I love the music. And I said, oh, I can write reviews as a person who loves the music and and I know a lot about the different styles from what I've read and what I've listened to. And so I can say, well, if you like so-and-so, you'll love this or this is the kind of music this guy is putting down. And so I would go through and uh, write reviews, some more detailed than others. I mean, there was, there are some, not all of them are great, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, <laughs> but d- I disagree. Were... They, all of yours were great. You, <laughs> no, no, you no, no. Steve... I mean, not all the CDs were great. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to interject that sooner or later, that Steve and Ron were amazing in their knowledge, <clears throat> not only of the music, of the musicians, but of the instrumentation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I learned so much for, I, I had been writing reviews. I kind of just backed off, you know, because <laughs> well, they were so they were amazing yeah, writers yeah. about well, Steve these. was a musician, too. And he he had a different angle yeah. uh, to the way he wrote his than from what I did. But still, the idea was to uh, help people understand what these CDs, what type of music they were. Sure. And, and uh, you know, if you haven't checked this out, you ought to do this. And, and, and as I say, I, I hardly ever pulled any punches as far as, you know, if you get something that really stinks. You know? <laughs> I had a few that I that I roasted, but I, and the, usually I said, you know, this is not my cup of tea, but I'll, you know, this is if you like this, I'll you'll yeah. like it. if you well, like I, this kind of music, I do it. I was not a sure. real big fan of the more rock style blues people. You know, okay. I liked the old so you're a traditional blues fan. I like traditional, but I like I the peak to me was Chicago blues style, you know, okay, Muddy sure. Waters, oh, yeah. Howlin' Wolf, that type of stuff. Yeah, and it yeah. also was not too polished. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like it when it's too smooth. Right, I yeah. like it. I like it when it's a little rough on the edges. Okay. Because that shows the emotion behind yep. it, you know, that type yes. of thing. Um, but you know, I, I love the fabulous Thunderbirds. I mean, I think they're great. They're a little bit on the rock side, but they're, I just love, I love the, the, the T-Birds, but I, I do like the, the more traditional, uh, styles, uh, Lightning Hopkins, uh, Junior Wells, Buddy Guy. Junior, yeah, Buddy Guy. <laughs> buddy Guy, not AC so much. Reed. Not, not so much Buddy Guy. No. I, I liked uh, it a little bit early, but to me. Okay. The early, yeah. Yeah, he d- just got a little too crazy for me. But, yeah. you okay. know, he's he's pushing the frontiers, and some people like that. I, I'm not so comfortable with that. But And he, yeah, and he just the, turned 87, so yeah, he's got yeah. the right to pretty much do whatever he, he wants. That's right. That's, right. Uh, <laughs> that's certainly right. And B.B. King, of course. B.B. Oh, King man. is, uh, and I did have the chance to visit his his museum and his grave a few years ago wow. and i went to robert johnson's grave too so that's and, and part of the blues cruise I, down, down, the down the blues trail in mississippi and i heard that indianola mississippi the the i guess the place where where bb started the right. bar that he started in is now reopened mm. it's mm. being being maintained by his foundation mm. 
So I want to go to Mississippi and check that yeah, out. But. Right. Yeah, well, here's one of his tour buses is there at the museum too. Yeah. And the and the there's a cotton uh, gin building that's on this site of his of his museum too. That, Very cool. So. Hey, you're listening to Time Signatures. My name is Jim Irvin. I'm here with Queen Bee Bonnie Stebbins and also Ron Eggleston. And you know what? We're going to have to have a second, second helping here because we are almost out of time already, if you can believe this. No, but I, I <laughs> But I have time for one more, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce one more question to you. Bonnie, this okay. one's for you. Okay. But I, I know that you talked about a lot of people uh, stepping up early on, uh, including Ron, including Blade, who worked on the newsletter. Right, but right. I want to talk about the initial logo for Capital Area Blue Society. Oh. Tell, tell that story real quick. <laughs> well, um, my son was an artist, and I asked him if he would be willing to, to take a shot at drawing a, our first logo. And he said, sure. And he, um, I think he was doing his apprentice, not his, um, his internship he, at J&J in New Jersey. And I know that because when I went through the binders, um, it, it, his original sketch is in there. Oh man! Yeah, the um, one one of them that you gave Ron. Right, right. Yeah, oh, that I don't know if you. Yeah, I we, didn't look. Yeah, you you'll have to look at those. I don't know if. Well, anyway, for the um, listeners, there's a backstory here. I was actually allowed to scan the old newsletters that uh, Queen Bee had in her binders. And I didn't dig into the binders because I didn't want to disturb what was in there. Oh, gosh. Oh. And were, yeah. I'm wishing I would have just dug in oh, and scanned a whole bunch of stuff. There's yes, all the meeting minutes of the board as well as the meeting, regular meeting. And Shar was a great secretary. Oh, she, she kept was great. She, yeah, she, Shar, our first secretary, again, my friend, Shar uh, Whitaker, did an amazing job with this these first three binders. I think that carried us for through our first two and a half, three years, something like that. But no, they are full of memorabilia, flyers, like Ron was saying, minutes and of meetings, yeah. of minutes of the board meeting, because we had a separate meeting, and then we had the membership meeting. So the board was every two weeks, basically, you know, going to meetings and planning, you know, and getting things organized and done. And and then you'd have the editor's meeting or the newsletter meeting and all these things were going on. Um, so there there was an amazing treasure of early cabs memorabilia in those binders. So when you get a chance, be sure to go through them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about the binders coming up in the next episode uh, we want to thank everybody. Once again, my guests today, Rhonda Eggleston and Queen Bee, Bonnie Stebbins. Stick around. We will be back with another episode with these guys, and it's bound to be a good time. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.